the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. I'm Jim Stanley, in for the famous Dr. Alex McFarland. I almost said infamous, but that would be a, a disservice. And it's my pleasure to be in studio today with Brother Bert Harper. When you say infamous or famous, it may be who, according to you, talk to concerning right. Bert Harper. Anyway, right. well, no, you I, know, I think all of us have those that, I, that man, mm. I just don't get him, and those that, that man, he's a great guy. Jim, I, I've, everybody I, says you're a great guy, and no, I appreciate that, man. I don't know what crowd you're hanging out with. <laughs> I appreciate but. you setting in for Alex. Alex couldn't make it today, and uh, but we're always glad to be a part and uh, share this. And we're in John chapter 8. You've already started there, brother. I want to tell you, there's three or four verses. Well, let me just say this. In every chapter of mm-hmm. John, there's three or four verses that just ring true that are amazing to me. And John chapter 8, ha- I think, has some of the best. Well, you came you came by earlier today and, and mentioned that Alex was going to be out and asked me if I'd help. And, of course, I said I would. And you know John's one of my favorite books. And then you said you guys finished up at 8.32 yesterday. And you said, but we can go back to that. if we. <laughs> Listen. It's, that's like, you know, um, there's this ice cream store over here. And you can have all that you want, but you can only fit it on one cone. Oh, me. See, that, that's, that's not real good. But yeah. when you can go back and you can bring in a scripture – and it says, this goes to one of the most key things that I think we have a lot of theological debate over, okay? And that's that goes back to eternal salvation and eternal security. And we talk about that if one is truly saved, then one is always saved. And this scripture kind of brings that to a head because Jesus says, if you abide in me, in, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, John writes again, and you know I'm going to go to First John. <laughs> my little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. But if any man sins, but if any man sins. You know, so we have these words that if we abide in Jesus and we abide in his word, then we'll know the truth and the truth shall make us free. And here in a minute, we're going to get down into it a little bit more. But, Bert, when we look at at that, we know his word because his spirit lives inside of us. It comes at that moment of salvation. And as we grow in the depth and knowledge of Jesus, then we grow in that knowledge of what's right and what's wrong. And we want to abide in him. I think of... Uh, Matthew, is it where we talk about abiding in the vine? John 14. John 14. Uh, Thank you. 15. 15. And so we talk about abiding in that vine. We don't want to be one of those limbs that gets pruned off. Yeah. But you can be part of the vine and still have some pruning done. Why? Because it brings forth that new life. Yeah. The word abide has the idea of remaining, mm-hmm. remain in him, stay connected. And that's what we try to do on Exploring the Word. We just talked to someone today, matter of fact, and they were talking how important Exploring the Word had become in their life that uh, that we are able to daily put into them the Word of God, mm-hmm. and what an opportunity it is. And if you're listening today and you've never come to that relationship in Jesus Christ, we encourage you to do so. Uh, there's The Bible says today's the day of salvation. Mm. You don't want to put it off. You don't want to wait for a more convenient season. That's right. There may not be one, to tell you the truth. 
And uh, the another guy said, "You almost persuade me." Now I think I, my opinion is being a little bit sarcastic, but right. that's my opinion. Right. But I just want to tell you, come to Jesus Christ. There's the life that you have in Christ. You have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You have someone that will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. He abides with you as you abide in Him. And and uh, Jim, when I when I know that and see that. Uh, that's the great truth. Now, here's the problem. There's a lot of people that don't know they need to be saved. Mm-hmm. They think they're all right with that's God. Right. They ignore him, and they think, well, if my good works outweighs my bad works, if I pay my taxes, I don't kill anybody, I, I got to do the right thing, and he'll put me in heaven. Listen, the Bible says our righteousness, the very best we have in his sight, is, is or compared to him, right. filthy rags. Right. No man can come to the Father except through him. So today, if you don't know Christ, I pray you'd call this number, Triple Eight Need Him. Triple Eight Need Him. There are partners, and we appreciate them so much. And they'll talk with you, they'll pray with you, and they'll share with you until you come to the realization of Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. And, folks, there's for those of you that would prefer to do that online, I understand that some yeah. people just don't. Don't yeah. like the phone? They like Need the fingers him. to do the talking, yeah. Needhim.org. Yeah. Needhim.org. Bert, as, as we look at this, you talked about people that didn't know they need that they need to be saved. Well, here we have people that don't know <laughs> that exactly. they need to be saved. I, I was talking about them. That's right. <laughs> so in verse 33, it says, they answered him. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? This is is one of the key components as to why the Jews, as we'll see, didn't accept Christ because Jesus is talking about a spiritual freedom, a freedom for eternity, and they were expecting him to come and set up a physical kingdom. A political kingdom. A political, physical kingdom as part of his messiahship. And one day... That's going to be the case. But not yet. But not yet. But it is coming. You're exactly right. And they are ignoring everything Mm -hmm. when they said they've never been in bondage. Did they not realize they were in bondage in Egypt? Had they not read the book of Judges where seven different times they had come under the bondage of of different tribes and different nations? Mm -hmm. And had they not realized they spent 70 years in Babylon in what? Bondage. bondage, isn't it? Aren't, don't they have a selective memory? I think people that want to say they're right with God, you know, I'm all right, uh, and they've never come to Christ. They're having a selective memory of how good they think they are, right? And uh, what they've done, right? And all the religions of the world, except Christianity, is based on a works salvation. Buddhism. Islam, I've just went through, uh, I saw a website, and it showed the, the 25 major religions in the world for a size is concerned. I went through every one of them. I took the studying of other religions. I, right. They called it comparative religions when right. I took it in seminary. But every one of them becomes on the basis of works. Christianity is superior. And we don't make, they people who are listening, they want to say, well, it's all religion, just a little bit, few things. No, when it comes to the world religions, there is diametrically opposed to Christianity. There's his works. If I do this much, if I bow five times, if I can reincarnate myself to be something better, mm-hmm. I'll be all right. But in Christ, in Christianity, it is Christ. And guess what you have to do? You have to admit how bad you are before you accept what God's done for you. That's right. I saw, I saw something over the weekend that says we may represent the gospel in that we say Jesus will accept us wherever we are. I don't think we do because you and I have talked about this for a while, and, and I think that as we go through verses 34 and beyond, we'll see some of that, okay? But the thing is, Jesus does not accept us where we are. He transforms us from where, where we, are. we are. Amen. To and what we need to, to be. To what we need to be. Hallelujah. And he continues along that to, to reiterate that time and time again. And that comes back to learning more about him. 
I am so glad you asked me to be part of this discussion today. Well, I knew you loved John. And now listen, verse 34 is, is follows up on that. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Mm-hmm. Now here they were dismissing those seven times in Judges, Babylon, Egypt. They were dismissing them. But here he brings in a very idea, and you've already mentioned it. They were looking for a political mm-hmm. freedom, and he offers a spiritual freedom. Right. Here it is. That's right. And it is saying, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. That puts us all in that category unless we've been set free. That's right. And that on, that freedom only comes through Jesus Christ who paid the price. He sets us free and later on it see look I, i'm just gonna go ahead and read 35 and 36 and let's turn it over and a slave does not abide in the house forever but a son abides forever in other words you can be a servant and you can be in the house but you're still not the son and it says therefore listen to verse 36 if the son makes you free you shall be free indeed freedom in christ jesus and the more you abide in him the greater liberty you realize you have. Yeah. You know, you you grow in him. Uh, again, you never go back to works, but you live in the liberty that he's called us into. It's just like when he told them to go into the promised land, the land was already theirs. They That's just right. need to claim it and live in it. The freedom in Christ after we've received it, Jim, we need to live in that freedom. That doesn't mean I go out and do everything that Bert Harper, hopefully my want to has changed. That's right. But there's still that battle going on between the things, Paul said it, those things I want to do, I find myself not doing. Those things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? The only way is abiding in him. After we come to Christ and we abide in him, the Holy Spirit of God can lead us into all righteousness. Mm. And we're to, we'll neither, never kept, get perfection, but we can become more and more like Christ. Amen. That should be a worthy goal, Jim. You know, uh, Paul in Galatians 5, 1 said, Christ has liberated us to be free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. And then here in John, as you just read, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Hallelujah. There is liberty in Christ. There is freedom in Christ. And we have to look to him for that. Stick around. More Exploring the Word in the 8th chapter of John. We're at verse 36. You join us as Exploring the Word continues on AFR. This is Pause to Pray. A chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Christopher Godfrey, Director of the Office of Workers' Compensation Programs. His office was created to administer claims and assistance under the Federal Employees' Compensation Act. Isaiah 117 reminds us of the importance of caring for one another. Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, We ask for guidance for Christopher Godfrey as he helps administer workers' compensation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says the Bible describes God as the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why does he so often seem to change? We'll discover the answer today as we spend two minutes with Tony. God does not change in his essence, but he will change in his methods. He doesn't do the same method, but he stays the same person even when he changes his methodology. Okay? That's why he does some things in the Old Testament that he doesn't do in the New Testament. And one of the main things that affirms whether he's going to change or not are the changes we make. That is, the adjustments we make will affect how he relates to us, not because he's changed, but because we've related to a different part of his person. The sun does not change. The earth 
rotates around the sun. The earth rotates around the sun. Half the earth right now is dark. Half the earth right now is light. The reason that half the earth is dark is not because the sun is moved, but because the earth is turning. And because the earth is turning, things look like they're changing. When the sun is not budged, it is earth that has adjusted. So when people adjust to God, it may look like God is changing, but God is not changed. He's just responded to the fact that you have turned. That's why repentance is so important to experience God. It means you gotta turn if you want to experience more of God. Because if you're not turning right, then you're not experiencing the side of God that you want to experience. Find out how repentance can be the key to a brand new eternal life. Visit TonyEvans.org, click on the top menu, and open the Jesus link. Tony will explain how Jesus' death on the cross opened that door. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. And then they answered and said to him, Abraham is is our father. This is Exploring the Word. We're in the eighth chapter of the book of John and verse 37. You know, just a moment ago we read, you shall be free indeed. But Jesus reminds them, we talked about this during the break, that he didn't let them off the hook. You know, these are the people he are talking to, that he is talking to right now. They're already planning. They're already trying to put into works to take his life before his, before his message gets too far out of control. They, uh, listen, they're evil <clears throat> indeed. They have an obscure uh, view of who they are, mm-hmm. but Jesus points it out in verse 38. I speak what I have seen with my father and you do what you have seen with your father. Mm-hmm. Now, Jim, I can tell you as you go through, if you, if you haven't read the rest of that, Jesus is referring to Satan himself. That's right. That he is the father of these Pharisees. Now we're talking about religious people that have a name that try to cross the T's and dot the I's, quote, mm-hmm. and their father is the devil. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus said. Now, they don't, we talked about they don't even know how lost they are. They said, our father's Abraham. They thought they would up Jesus because far as they were concerned, if you were on earth, the highest one you could have is Abraham. Abraham. That's right. And so Jesus answered and said, Abraham is our father. They answered and said, Abraham is their father. Now, there's a lot of pronouns here of they. You have to look at it. Some of the they's in chapter 8 are those that believe, but from your own outs, it's basically those that are against Christ. That's right. And that's who. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Listen, he puts it on them. You said it, not letting them off the hook. Verse 40, but now you seek to kill me? That's what you were talking about. Well, who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father and that is God. Ooh, we're not, we're not like you, Jesus. We're better than you. We, we, our parents were married when we were born we were conceived, yeah. but we, we know about Mary and we know about Joseph. We know we've counted the time we've investigated this That's right. and Jesus doesn't even have much time to answer. If God were your father, you would love me for I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. He is letting them have it now. That's right. It gets stronger and stronger, and he says, you're not even listening. You can't even hear the words of God. And there's no no escaping the next thing that he says. Right. It's highlighted in it, my Bible. It's highlighted. It's written in red. It's because you're not able to listen to my word. You of, of your father, the devil, 
and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Or as another translation would say, the father of lies. Folks, it doesn't get any clearer than that. There is absolutely no truth in Satan. When it talks about that he was a murderer from the beginning, he took and he wanted to be worshipped as God. He took and took away the innocence of Adam and Eve in the garden because he exposed them to good and evil. He murdered that relationship with God. Bert, I look forward to a time when we're gathered together and we're able to to participate and worship God one-on-one after he comes to receive us unto himself. I cannot imagine how Satan was able to corrupt that relationship other than the lie. And it it, it hadn't changed. It hadn't changed in 7,000 years. The lie is the same. Did God really say, and that's what he tells people today, is Jesus really the Son of God? If he were the Son of God, you wouldn't have all these hypocrites, you know? If he were the Son of God, you wouldn't have this, you wouldn't have that. These people would act better. Let me tell you something. If we really believed that Jesus is who he says he is, and we would do what Jesus has asked us to do, we would not have the corrupt nation that we have today. Preach it, Jim. And so, Brother, I mean, amen. But that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, Satan has used that same lie from beginning to end. Worship me. I'm God. Angels like, okay. And then, no, not quite. So God cast him down. And then in the garden, he disrupted the fellowship between God and man and man and God. And Jesus himself, the living son of God, came to make that restoration for us. Only he could do that. Satan has not changed his tactics nor his motives. They're still the same Mm -hmm. as when he was in heaven and was thrown out of heaven. His tactics is what? Still kill and destroy. Here he is identified as a murderer and a liar. Now, I want to just tell you, when you look at the Ten Commandments, those are easier ones to identify than a lot of them. And that's who he is. He is a liar. He is a murderer. And then in verse 45, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Notice how he always goes back to truth, Jim. Everything God is and has and teaches is always truth. If it's not connected to truth, you can always look and know it's deviated from what is right. That's right. The standard is truth, and any deviation from that is untruth. Satan is always deviating from the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus declared himself as truth. And here, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. He just doesn't let up, and they're just not smart enough to say, Jesus, you're right. Well, you know what they do? The Here, in verse 48, they come back. <laughs> That's and exactly right. They Read say, it, then the Jews answered and said to him, do we, not rightly say, do we not say rightly that you are Samaritan and have a demon? Wait a minute. Name calling. All right, so here we go. (laughs) And it goes back to what I said. You know, Satan always twists that truth. And what better way to to whip up a crowd than to say, you know, not only is he a Samaritan, which is something Jews shouldn't associate with, he's got a demon. That's right. But Jesus answered and said, I do not have a demon but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. (laughs) And then they come back and counter again in just a moment. But it goes back to what we said earlier. 
we may see a physical death, but if we know Jesus and we've been made right in relationship with him and we know him as our personal Savior, we will never face that agonizing saying, depart from me. I never knew you. Listen to these words. I do not have a demon. Mm. He just dismisses that. Verse 50, I do not seek my own glory. Right. Guess whose glory the Pharisees wanted to see. Do you remember the publican and the Pharisee going up to pray? And the Pharisee, Lord, I thank you I'm not like those guys. I thank you that I'm so much better than them. I tithe. I do this. I keep all of it. But that guy over there, he he is he's a publican of all things. The publican prays and said, Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Jesus said the only one that went away justified was, was the, public. the publican. You know, Bert, there's nothing wrong with praying in public. I want to I want to clarify that's not what we're talking about. All right. But if you just stand up in the middle of a fast food restaurant and you start shouting in a loud voice for God to take and just bless everybody's food and to do this, who are you drawing attention to? Yourself. But if you're sitting at your table with your family and you're saying, Lord, use this food that we might better serve you, that's the difference in a publican and someone who's a Christ follower. So again, in church, I'm I'm okay with an articulate prayer. You know, you ask someone to do the benediction and they give you another 25-minute sermon, you may not call on them for the benediction again. You mean you've been there? I, I've been there. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, that's that's kind of the thing here. It goes back to what you were talking about, the publican and the Pharisee. The publican's prayer was pretty short. Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. So I'm not, I don't think there's a problem with articulate prayer in church. I really don't. I think if you're called to pray on for the congregation and you pray for everybody and Aunt Susie's, you know, puppy dog, I don't have a problem with that. But if you're standing there and you're praying to build yourself up, you better check yourself. I can do this better. No, I won't go there. That's right. When you talked about asking the blessing silently at your table, I couldn't help but think of my favorite Norman Rockwell painting. It's that mother and boy in this restaurant, and they take time to bow their heads, and they've got all these men surrounded. And you can look at the way Norman Rockwell depicts them in mm-hmm. the painting. They're rough, tough guys. But when they see that, they're having ones bowing their heads. They're taking their caps off, and they're looking on because of a testimony contrast that to somebody <clears throat> y'all all you know come with me you know there'd have been mass rebellion hypocrisy but that woman and norman rock will pick that up it's one of the best paintings hey. i think there's ever been and here but I, it all comes back to verse 50 yes it does that we don't <laughs> seek our own glory because there is one who ke- who seeks and judges most assuredly i say to you if anyone keeps my word he shall never see death and then the Jews do what? Well, he's he's got to have a demon now because Abraham is dead. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's, I mean, again, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, verse 52, he shall never taste death. And here's the question, Jim. Are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead and the prophets are dead? Whom do you make yourself out to be? Now, i got to say a word about the prophets. Yeah. What did they do to most of the prophets? Stoned them. That's right. And here they are. They said, are you greater than the prophets? And the folks who were like them had stoned the prophets. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole truth. And didn't, and didn't stop with the prophets. If we follow the story of the New Testament, we see that some people who brought the message of Christ to places, they were stoned. I think particularly of Stephen and how he was stoned for the testimony of Christ. So this doesn't just stop here. But isn't it interesting to note that they stoned the prophets and killed them? They put Jesus to death on a cross because all they wanted to do 
from the very beginning, as I said, he's a, he's a liar and father of lies, as we talked about, Satan. He's always wanted to pervert the truth. Always. And what better way to do that than to kill the truth? Oh, but that's not where the story ends. <laughs> it is not. Verse 54, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. Now, he's really taking a hit at them because mm-hmm. that's what they're trying to do. It is my father who honors me of whom you say that he is your God. You say. In other words, what you say and what you do are two completely different things. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, then I would be a liar just like you. Now I'm adding a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think but that was the Bert Harper paraphrase. It was, position. but it was good. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your now here it is again. Your father. Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. <laughs> he he has thrown them more curves, freedom, mm. death, and now Abraham rejoicing to see his day, Jim. They, they cannot get over the political. They cannot understand spiritual. Right. This is the whole idea. They are spiritually dead. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the spiritual application of the power of the words of Christ does not register with them. Right. They are oblivious. Hebrews eleven thirteen says this. And so we're talking about Abraham and the prophets. These all died in faith without having received the promises, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. They were able to, as Jesus said about Abraham, Abraham saw that day and is glad he's glad that the truth has finally been revealed and these guys are still wanting to kill the truth <laughs> they are They're, you know <laughs> we've talked we've said before we're just country boys we get that and you can't you can lead a horse to water is the saying you can't make him drink but you can salt his oats <laughs> jesus has done everything he can at this point to salt their oats if you will to try and lead them to the truth. And when you're that stubborn, when you're that much of a denier of the truth and the faith, you can't unlearn some stuff. Does that make sense? And the longer you stay that way, the more out you are to Mm. stay that way. Amen. Away from God. Hey, Jim, are we going to take calls in the next We are. 888-589-8840. Stick a pen at verse 57 of chapter 8 in the Gospel of John. That's where we'll pick up tomorrow. 888-589-8840 is the number to call as Exploring the Word continues on American Family Radio. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. So, Hannah, she's just one of the women who did struggle with infertility in the Bible. Hannah's Heart with Ann Cockrell and Kendra White. Hannah took her pain to God, and God heard her and was with her. Hannah's Heart helps couples process infertility and miscarriage through a biblical lens. Join us Saturday afternoon at 5 Central on American Family Radio. Find the podcast at AFR.net. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on healthcare costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65 Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price 
for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. You shall have no other gods before me. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. In 1954, Americans lived under constant threat of nuclear attack from the USSR. When America's children practiced duck and cover in classrooms across the country, President Eisenhower realized that our pledge had no distinction from any other republic. After hearing a sermon on February 7th of that year, President Eisenhower signed a law adding the words, Under God, to our pledge. The president recognized the true source of unity, of indivisibility, is unwavering submission to the God of the Bible. As we go about our day, let us all remember the only true source of national unity is submission to Almighty God. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 American Family Radio There's nothing to fear now for I That, Bert, is one of the major components of the battle, is understanding that our battle, it's not ours. It belongs to the Lord. And if we make a stand, we make that stand from our knees. So we would encourage you here from exploring the Word. We've just gone and continue to go through some political turmoil, if you will. Pray for the leaders that were elected. Pray for the ones that were reelected. Pray for the ones that didn't have to go through an election this time. I'm talking about from your alderman to the president of the United States. Amen. Pray for those elected officials. And one group that was elected school board members. Yeah. That was a, a very vital part, and you won't hear much about that. But from what I'm hearing, a lot of guys and girls were elected that want to make education what it was reading, writing, and arithmetic. And uh, so just be praying. That'll take a while to turn it around, but that can help. But anyway, hey, we're going to take phone calls. The lines are open. That number, 888-589-8840-888-589-8840. We do have some calls, don't we, We do, and as as the other ones continue to come in, we're going to talk to some of these folks. And we're going to start with Paul calling from Texas. Paul, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yeah, hello. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, so at church, uh, gosh, that was the day before yesterday, wasn't it? Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, we, were, we were talking about the sheep and the goats. And nobody wants to talk about a goat, but I have to understand if my neighbor is a goat, maybe I should care about that. Well, uh, um, and, Paul, if your neighbor is a goat, I think that you probably should help turn them to be a sheep. Pray for them. Serve them. Bring the message of Christ to them. But, I, you know, Bert, it would be hard for me to say my neighbor is a goat. You know, I would never want, I don't want to pronounce my children as being goats. You know, now there are a couple of them that are living some reckless lives, and you know that. Um, They know that. They know where I stand on that. But I'm never going to give up hope on them. Amen. Well, I I want to just tell you, when Jesus was referring to that, it's like the uh, wheat and the tares. Mm -hmm. They are together, and with the wheat and the tares, 
He said, you better let the tares keep growing yeah. because if you start going in trying to pull up the tares, you're going to disrupt the root system of the wheat That's and right. they'll wilt away. So, uh, Paul, Paul. I, I would say the evidence, we, I, if I were looking at some of the Old Testament, even some of the New Testament saints, uh, I would wonder about them. Yeah. Just like people wonder about certain people ones wonder about today. Me. Yes, today. Well, I mean, think about John the Baptist. That that was a woolly booger, okay? And by that I mean he ate locusts. He was a hairy man. He wore animal skins. Why in the world would you would one choose to listen to him when he brought the message of Christ forward? So, you know, um and, and Paul, I want to come back to you to make sure I didn't misunderstand you. And if I did, I apologize. But uh, there are going to be sheeps and goats, but I don't think we're going to be the ones that get to make that judgment. I think that's going to happen as Christ as Christ talks about. That goes back to what Bert and I said earlier, that we don't want to hear that dreaded depart from me. I never knew you. Because unfortunately, we've got a lot of people that think they're sheep that may be goats. Yeah. And a lot of people that act like goats that may be sheep. Yeah, right. Paul? So, so, okay, last thing then, we love John, everybody loves John 3.16, okay? We know what that says. But what if you go down to John 3.18, two verses down? Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Yes, sir. But again, that I don't think that's a judgment we get to make in this lifetime. Because don't forget, Paul comes back and tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So yes, sir, there's going to be a point of condemnation. But until Jesus returns or until we die, we need to do everything we can to proclaim the word of life and truth and freedom from sin. Thank you, Paul. Hey, listen, that's good enough. Thank you, brother, and take care of Texas out there. All right, let's talk to James calling from Illinois. James, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, thanks for having me on here. So my question is, uh, the Bible, it says somewhere in there that no one seeks God, um, but then it also says if you seek God, you will find God. So how do you make sense of those two Bible verses, if you have me correctly? Okay, let me make sure I understand the question. You're saying seek and not seize. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So, Bert, you've been a pastor, and I know you've answered that question many times. Well, listen, you these Pharisees, let's stay with the Bible lesson today. I would say this, James, they were seeking their own glory. They thought that by building themselves up, they would be beneficial to God. They were really not seeking God. They already had God in a box mm. that they had built, and they put God in that slot, and then they lived their lives. Those that seek God, if you seek me, you shall find me. Now, let me share with you. If you respond to the light that has been given to you, God gives more light. Mm, and amen. you walk in the light as he is in the light, and you can find and do the will of God. But the light that he's given to every man is creation. He's given conscience to every man. And I think the best illustration of that is the Ethiopian eunuch, guys. Uh, when he came to Jerusalem to worship, he didn't get his answer, but he found a scripture from the book of Isaiah, and he was reading it. And what did God do? God took Philip from a great revival and brought him there uh, to talk to one man, and that one man would take the truth back to Ethiopia. And when missionaries went to Ethiopia years, guess what? There's already a group of believers there. Amen. That's the truth. And so if you walk in the light, God gives more light. And if you seek God, guess what? He's going to give you light. Amen. Hey, James, thanks for the call. I hope that helped. We're going to talk to Diane now from Ohio. Diane, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Love you guys. Thanks for all you do. 
Well, you're very kind. So, <laughs> so my question is, and I don't have my Bible in front of me. I was out running errands. So in Genesis, I think it's 10.5 and 11.1. Then I have a, another question. I can't remember the scripture reference. But 10.5 and 11.1 seem to contradict. says they were um, all speaking the same language, and then the other one says each one was speaking in his own language. So can you help me with that? Uh, we'll do our best. When you read chapter 10, you're looking at a panorama of time, uh, Diane. In other words, when you start le- leading that of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and it talks about the different people, and it comes over to verse 5, this talking about the hour after the tower, chapter 11 goes back and gives us a specific mm-hmm. uh event that took place in that time same way with genesis 1 and 2 uh i've heard people oh there's two creations genesis 1 genesis no genesis 1 is the overall picture but genesis 2 zeroes in on that sixth day and and what took place there same place here in genesis uh 10 and genesis 11 yeah if you if you ever have a if you've ever taken pictures and I'm sure that everybody has. And, and I remember the old zoom lenses is how big they were. Well, now the power of the zoom lens on the iPhone, you can go from a panoramic view to an eyeball view. You know, and so that's kind of what happens in the scripture And the Bible sometimes. does that that's several right. times. It really does. So it's not contradictory, but it just uh, reinforces what was already there. Thank you, Diane. Hope that helped. Let's talk to Steve from Louisiana. Steve, good afternoon and welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon. Uh, my question is a little bit off topic from you, but uh, I have been uh, asked by my pastor to fill in tomorrow night for the message. And uh, he asked me last week, and I began to think about the message. Uh, I'm, my heart was led to talk about the original sin. Now, I've been studying ever since I've been reading and researching the original sin in the Bible. And most everyone will give you the same answer when you ask about it. But what I've come up with is... The original sin, I, I don't believe, was the fact that Adam and Eve decided to eat the fruit. It was the decision they made to pick that fruit. Okay, I want to go back further than that. Okay, Steve, I really do. Original sin was pride in heaven. Mm. And, and I, Okay, and from that stems what took place, original sin on earth. Original sin in heaven was Lucifer, right. who was... I, I believe one of the archangels. I believe you had three archangels, That's Gabriel, right. Michael, and Lucifer. Lucifer was beautiful. He produced beautiful music. He was in charge of all these people in pride, whatever came. And then he fell upon earth, and he would use the serpent to beguile the woman. Uh, the original sin, if you stick to it, Steve, is still pride. Because here's what Lucifer said. If you partake of that fruit you will be like, like god. god yeah that is nothing more than pride being revealed in there yeah. and i again i know now I, you guys know i'm as simplistic as, as you come i'm just saying what is the bottom line there pride is is the original sin and you know the old the old folks he's saying pride goes before fall yep well that's exactly what happened because they they satan tempted them with you shall be like God. You'll be as smart as God. You'll know what God knows. And then when they had the opportunity to say no, they made the mistake of staring at that. It looked good. It was was pleasing to the eye. It looks like it would make something good to eat. So it wasn't a kiwi fruit on the outside. No, it was not a kiwi fruit on the outside. (laughs) And, and so, uh, Steve, what we're saying is, as I understand what you're talking about, disobedience perhaps being the original sin, and I think what we see is the result of that disobedience in the garden, but I would agree with Bert that the very first thing they did was they took their eyes off of God and allowed their eyes to be tempted to look at something that was made as desirable to them as God by saying they would be like God. So there you go. All right. Let's talk to Janice now calling from Mississippi. Janice, welcome to Exploring the Word. 
Yes, I want to know, uh, what does a reprobated mind mean? Amen. You find that in the book of Romans, mm-hmm. and it is developed. It does not occur overnight. And it all begins in Romans 1 when it says, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. When you enter into one realm of darkness, if you don't get out of that darkness into the light, you will go down. And it has all that in that scripture. God gave them over. God gave them over to vain God gave them over to unnatural affections. That's where you come into transgenderism, homosexuality. Is that unnatural? It's not natural. It's right. unnatural. And then it comes to the point of the last unreprobate mind. And Janice, that is the person that has come to the place where their heart is hardened and their mind is strong toward uh, a, a ill, Ill uh, it's not irrevocable, but a position of anti-God. It is completely going against God. And uh, so it is, it's not the first step. No. Reprobateness is developed over a period of time of saying no to God and walking in the darkness. Right. And, and you know, we've talked about that with our country, that we believe we're close to God having given us over to a reprobate mind because of how often and how much we've denied God. I don't know if we're there or not, but we're certainly very close. There's every, I, I just got to say a word about that, if you All don't right. mind, Jim. We may not get time That's enough, okay. But I, everybody's talking about the election and everything. Was the messaging right? Was what was wrong? I, I just want to tell you, I believe we have entered into that area where people love darkness rather than light, and therefore, guess what? They vote. They vote darkness. Yeah. And that's in place of it being a minority at this point in time, it looks like it is 50-50. Yeah. And if something doesn't change, the Bible makes it plain, it will what? Go get worse and worse. Yeah. And, and there's no way that when you look at a couple of the state amendments that were passed, one of them regarding abortion, that the baby's born alive, but it's still not a person. They can they can let... And, and they voted in the amendment to let that stand. Boy, that, I'm telling you, that is not of God right there. It is not. So what do we do? We set our heart to prayer, crying out to God. We don't do church as usual, mm. but we come and say, listen, oh God, we need you. Turn my heart toward you and let me have a burning heart for others. That's sheep and goats. We we, we may not can tell That's the difference, right. Jim. But we need to live that people will see us as the sheep who are following the master. He is the good shepherd. Folks, have a great afternoon. Thanks for joining us for Exploring the Word. Dr. McFarland should be back with Brother Bert Harper tomorrow afternoon. But if not, I'll be happy to pinch it. Hey, do me a favor. Tell everyone about AFR. Tell them about Exploring the Word. But most of all, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.